Digital CX Go. I'm excited to be here today with Olga Baradovaya. She is the Vice President of Machine Translation and AI at Smartly. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Thank you and thanks a lot for having me. Yes, I'm happy to have you here. I know you have a lot of experience over 20 years in the language and machine learning, natural language processing industry, AI data development. Yes, all of that. It's actually now closer to 30, but it is correct. I've uh, been uh, started, started in natural language processing from the years of rule-based applications, such as rule-based machine translation, sentiment analysis, and yes, have been around ever since. Wonderful. And I know you're also an advisor for engineering leadership at California State University and the vice president and program sponsor for women in localization. Yes, correct. And all of that. Can you tell me a little bit about Smartling? What are the services Smartling provides? Okay, so Smartling is uh, fully AI-enabled uh, translation or global content transformation platform. Uh, the older term is perhaps translation platform, but now we're talking a lot more about other features and other aspects of localization. So it's a uh, fully cloud-based featuring, probably not of unfortunate 500, but more like 150 or even fortune 50 clients and uh, it is fully cloud-based probably one of the first cloud-based translation platforms in the world uh what else can i tell you sounds amazing so let's talk a little bit about generative ai i know we're hearing so much about that these days um especially chat gpt so what are some of the benefits that are associated with generative AI as it relates to the language and translation industry? Uh, multiple benefits and multiple opportunities to reinvent the industry. Actually, the time to reinvent the industry has never been, I don't think in my career localization, I've never seen anything like this before. Maybe can be comparable to introduction of translation memories, computer-assisted translation, or machine translation. But the opportunities that generative AI present to for the industry, really, there there is nothing I can think about which would set precedent earlier. Um, so, I mean, we can go, maybe I can say a couple of things. First of all, when we talk about generative AI and large language models, I think we need to cast our, our net much broader than just the GPT family, right? I mean, the GPT, chat GPT obviously made the splash having become publicly available. Everybody got to play with it. I mean, whoever whoever could. Uh, and uh, having said that, even chat GPT itself is much more designed for dialogue scenarios. And even within the GPT family, we have models like DaVinci, right? Like I mean, and GPT uh, 3 or now 3.5 or now even more so 4 that are not chat GPT that follow different logic. So I think also now we have Llama, now we have Bloom. I mean, we have every tech giant is coming up with their own large language model. So I think we need to be very mindful of generative AI is not just chat GPT. So that's just first first thing that I, wa that I wanted to mention. Very true. So looking at overall of all AI tools, um, how can your industry harness these tools to improve and become more efficient? Um, maybe I'll wear my Smartling hat for a second. At Smartling, we adhere to the concept and are very passionate about the concept of language AI, which equally encompasses 
operational aspect of translation industry and natural language processing aspect of translation industry. And I would say that generative AI creates, or in general machine learning, but even more so generative AI, equally create opportunities on both sides of the equation. If you think about it, you can use generative AI models now, uh, trained properly for quality estimation, now, if you can use it for language quality estimation, you can equally predict project risks, flag the outliers, and mitigate those risks when we look at the operational aspect. If we look at the language translation, transformation, generation, first of all, I don't think we've ever reached this level of fluency and natural sounding output. So that alone opens unlimited opportunities to how can we make translation more fluent, right? And second, maybe we can go into details a little bit later. There are a lot of opportunities to manipulate the content, both on the input side and on the output side. So I can give you more specifics if if you'd like me to worry, unless you have another question. I'd love to hear some use cases, some scenarios of how businesses can use this. Okay. So first things first, uh, we handle, as a translation industry, we handle all, all types of content, right? Be it legal, be it user-generated content, like uh, blogs or social media, to product. And uh, what does it mean? It means that source that's coming in is often imperfect, right? So there are a lot of things that you can do on the pre-editing front using large language models optimizing the source for translation. Like say you can normalize user-generated content, making it more fluent and more palatable for translation process. You can, for instance, chunk, let's look at patents and legal. For the translation step, you can chunk it into shorter segments that again would be furnishing themselves easier for translation. You can reassemble afterwards, but these are multiple opportunities that you have on the source pre-editing step. Or, for instance, you can create formality choices on the source side and say, hey, uh, here is my source. I want it all to be informal and then translate it into multiple languages uh, following these language rules. So that's one. It's just the linguistic process. Now there is automated post-editing where you can actually improve the output of machine translation by applying large language model capabilities. Again, such as formality, such as tone of voice, stylistic preferences, uh, improving grammar, for instance, because machine translation is still not doing fantastic with handling terminology. So improving the grammar and improving the morphological and syntactic fluency of the target output is another another possibility on the and then there is the whole generative aspect what we're hearing a lot in the industry is hey do we still need one-to-one -one translation or can we actually engineer prompts and generate the target copy now that opens a whole can of worms of how to write it into the traditional translation memory and what would the next generation cat tool look like but here is another opportunity like hey that was translation and now we can generate and what does it do for us not to mention multimodality, where GPT-4 can now handle both images and text. So there's a huge question mark and a huge opportunity for what does it do to software localization? 
extraction. Are we even going to have desktop publishing as we know it? Very unlikely. So there are basically multiple avenues where we can benefit on. And again, that's the concept of language AI that we are huge proponents of. AI plugged in at every step of translation process. And generative AI and large language models have home, good home for them literally on every step. So in thinking about how we harness this technology, all of these cases you gave, where are the roadblocks or the um, struggles going to occur? Uh, model hallucination is a huge struggle because the models can dream things up and provide very inaccurate responses. So that would be one thing, even more so when we look at using, for instance, GPT technology for translation. There is still a lot of debate whether traditional neural machine translation or generative AI, which one actually wins, and whether generative AI is even a trustworthy translation translation application. So I think model hallucination and inaccuracy, potential false fluency. The model can produce very confident response, a very confident adaptation, which would be very inaccurate factually. So one thing is that I would say model hallucination. The other one is prompt engineering. One thing is just, you know, input like, hey, make it informal. But the more complex tasks you want to solve with using generative AI and uh, localization process, the more granular and the more refined, if that's the right word, your prompts, your engineer prompts need to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe that also opens up uh, potential for another aspect of this conversation, what's going to happen to the jobs in our industry. But the first one, lack of prompt engineering talent is the first one that comes to mind. You cannot just have one data scientist across the entire company come up with a with a prompts. So, and then tuning. The model knows what it knows. It doesn't know what it doesn't know. So techniques for customizing and tuning the models, I think we are not quite there yet. So these would be the three major areas there. Oh, wait, cost. Our customers are used to certain pricing. We've been following certain pricing models. Uh, now with the introduction of, like, say we can start from GPT, that's not free. So obviously we'll need to completely revise. And that's another, it's not a blocker, but it's definitely something that has not been fully solved in the light of integrating large language models, how we're actually going to price our services. Um, any ideas of how how we will or how we'll handle and get solutions to these problems? I think, I mean, first of all, I think one of the things one need to be very attentive to or a company deploying large language models needs to be attentive to how much, how do you actually engineer your prompts? And how much actually, since it's all usage-based, right, it's based on tokens, how do you actually optimize your use so you don't pass on unnecessary uh, unnecessary requests or your prompts do not contain unnecessary information? And obviously also watch in production how many rules are actually necessary to produce the desired outcome. And from there, you can actually model out what your pricing is going to look like with uh, with integration of large language models. The other one is what I've been saying at uh, different conferences. I don't think price per word, when we use a combination of generative AI, uh, human in the loop, and 
other NLP technologies that I, I don't think price per word is here to stay. So it's probably more task-based and outcome-based. Like we will deliver this outcome for you and this is the price point we attach to it rather than the traditional localization cost per word. Gotcha. And let's go back to um, the human aspect of this. So there are a lot of professionals that are worried about um, their skill set. Number one, what should they be doing um, as it regards to this new technology? And number two, should they be worried about losing their jobs to the technology down the road? Uh, I will go back to maybe fluency, neural machine translation, and potential inaccuracies, both in neural machine translation output and whether we're using uh, generative AI for machine translation. The output is not perfect. So from simple fact checking to correction and improvements of AI output, uh, that would be the first thing. And that's very much, that's very similar to MTPE skill, right? Machine translation, post-editing skill, except for now the AI outputs are going to be much more diverse. So a translator, you know, there was a huge leap from translators to translators who use translation memories to translators who actually know how to post-edit machine translation. Now is the next leap. Validate and improve output of different uh, methods that utilize AI technology. So first things first, from MTP taken to the next level. As I said earlier, prompt engineering, nobody but a French linguist can actually tell us what the desired French output is going to look like. So linguists definitely, I'm not saying every linguist needs to become a data scientist, but linguists absolutely need to have understanding of how generative AI works in their portfolio of skills and be able to uh, produce the right prompts for, uh, for, yeah, for, for achieving the desired outcomes. Will people lose their jobs? I think that we'll be compensating again. If we look back at machine translation, I was telling us at the time I was running a machine translation company, answering a question from investors like, hey, do you think we'll completely kill the human translation industry? And the answer was no. So 10 years or what, 10 years after introduction of statistical machine translation, fast forward, we're still here. So I think what's going to happen is a lot more content is going to be coming through. So similar to machine translation, people will be able to handle more. Got it. So um, let's think about your industry as a whole. When we think about the term digital transformation, it's something all businesses are trying to do. How does your industry fit as a whole across the board? Um, does it kind of stretch to a variety of industries globally? And um, how does it help with digital transformation? Yeah, uh, digital transformation is obviously huge on um, everybody's, I mean, all corporations and everybody's radar, right? I mean, you go from uh, posting files on FTP. I, I mean, let, let's just look at translation, right? Posting files to FTP or share file and emailing files around and overall disjointed processes between different software repositories. Obviously, everybody's doing this, right? Now, I think the change, main change for translation industry is we're becoming from an, we're turning from an afterthought, from being an afterthought. Like everything has been completed 
And then translation step comes in. I think we're becoming much more of global content partners. So we tap into the process, into the, our customers' digital transformation process much earlier in the production cycle. Like if we take SmartLink, for instance, as an example, we have connectors, multiple connectors into multiple systems and connectors then further drive dynamic workflow routing. So we help our customers with digital transformation just by tapping into their process much earlier than just, hey, push it out to translation and automating as much as we can. So I think we absolutely, I mean, our industry, I'm, I'm speaking for my company, but our industry in general plays a much more prominent role than we did, like, for instance, 25 years ago when I started in the industry. So businesses are really starting to take note and uh, put that at the forefront instead of um, at the end of their process. Right. Correct. Correct. Also, if you think about, again, I'm looking at 20, 20 plus years back when I started in the industry, even if you look at software strings, a lot of things were hard-coded, right? A lot of things were just not internationalized for uh, for further localization process. So now you have internationalization engineers, you have globalization engineers, both on the product side, content side, gaming, like in-app gaming, maybe to add to answer your question about verticals, where which verticals it applies to. So basically right now, I would, I would say that thinking about how the content and how the products are going to hit global markets comes in much earlier in the process. And there are roles created on the customer side that actually help with that. Uh, maybe the other thing I would also say, how do we partake in digital transformation? Again, as I said, workflow management and project management. I'm a strong believer that going forward, the more AI is deployed, the more project managers will actually become data analysts a lot of big data from their internal KPIs, from uh, translation platform performance, a lot of data can be aggregated and processed. I mean, we're talking pretty much big data. So if AI can help with predictions and can help with analysis and can help with recommendations, then really a project manager becomes like turns from less exciting manual workflow manager to more exciting. Here is data, here is analyzed data furnished to you. What do I do with this? Got it. So looking down the road, five years from now, uh, with the advance of technology, it seems it's, it's just moving so fast in the last few years. So what do you foresee happening five years from now? How is this technology going to advance and how is it going to be used? And first, um, on about uh, things moving fast, I was just speaking at a conference. Uh, the submission deadline was two weeks before the conference. I had to re I had to overhaul my presentation four times between the submission de deadline and the date of the actual conference, because something new would emerge every day. Like you think that AI is here, be it generative AI, or be it other applications of AI. And before you know it, another thing has been released, another thing has been announced. So that's, I mean, definitely exciting times. Five years down the road, I think this notion of and I'm only talking about translation industry, this notion of language AI is really going to broaden and the scope of the tasks that will be handled by AI with AI doing the heavy lifting is going to increase. 
So I think what's going to happen now, it's very important that we still remember that the role of the humans is going to be, again, that's my prediction, it's going to change. But I don't think that, and maybe that scope for the role of the humans is going to con- continuously shrink. But hu- I don't think human in the loop is going to go anywhere. So where are we going to be making the money? Again, tackling different content types and different tasks that would be very dramatically different from traditional translation. So I think it's all, my prediction five years down the road will be all about integrations, automation, digitization, if that's the if that's the right English word, and uh, really platforms. AI will continue growing and it will all be about which platforms are actually able to consume and make the best of advancements in AI. So I think the future is really not in standalone applications, not much of a threat maybe, although I want to hold that thought, but really about how can we integrate and make the best. Yes, really, it's not a threat. It's more of how to aid us in across the board and make things more efficient and speedier. And it's it's exciting times to see what's coming down the road. Absolutely so. But I have to add, though, that huge role, and I think there are actually a lot of blockers that I did not mention are around security and compliance. It took us a long, long time to figure out how to do it with machine translation and answer all the questions. What's going to happen to my data? Will my data be further used to uh, uh, fine-tune the models? What if I don't want to allow for this? There are a lot of questions around security, around, like, say, GDPR compliance for Europe that we are still to answer. And again, my prediction is that will be ironed out. So the controls, the compliance controls around the use of uh, AI are going to be in place. And that's something we don't have right now. The other thing I think is very important is ethical AI. Just like across the board, you know, there is a lot of conversation around, shall we pause? Shall we hit the pause and make sure that we're actually ethical around the implementation of AI? And I think those guardrails and those controls are going to be in place. So we can really balance out the innovation and the progress and the benefit for the humans. So that's another another prediction. The other thing that I'm actually very passionate about is I'm pretty confident that generative AI in particular will help us address and will continue helping us address a lot of DEI issues. Debias, I mean, modeling, model debiasing, content debiasing, letting go of anthropological old concepts that are in the models right now, right? It's trained in a certain way. Like, I mean, we were struggling with an issue where no matter what you do, the doctor just comes out as a male. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do there. And I think the whole debiasing and diversity and inclusion facilitated by AI is definitely going to be in place very soon. Yeah, there's there's a lot of talk about that. Um, so I just really appreciate you coming on today, Olga, and sharing some really deep insights and some really some great things to think about in the future. Exciting times and thanks a lot for having me. Thank you.